Hey everyone, this is another episode of Not Your Average Nezens, and this is Ash speaking to you from the depths of spring, almost summer. I'm glad it's not winter, but I'm here, and I am here with my trusty co-podcasters, Nat. Hello. And Jimin. Hey y'all. And we've got lots of K-pop gossip and news to give to you today. How is everyone doing? Okay, despite, I don't know, I had ribeye steak for dinner and it was gross. Because, not because the steak was gross. Like the actual food. Okay, not because the seasoning was gross. But because I just realized that ribeye is just too fatty for me. Like, it just leaves a greasy taste in your mouth. So, yeah. Needless to say, filet all the way, New York strip all the way. What about you, Nat? Nat, are you a filet girl or are you a like a more fatty meat? I am. I don't actually eat a lot of meat, not because I am a vegetarian or anything. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just don't. I feel like I have a really hard time digesting a lot of meat, to be quite honest with you. So I just don't eat it very often. I tend to eat seafood a lot more often. But if I do have meat, I do like really thin meat, you know, like cream barbecue kind of meat or, you know, I know something in like a teriyaki or something like that. Like, I'm definitely not a steak girl. If you put a steak in front of me, I will hand it off to somebody else. I've never liked steaks. and yeah that's that's me i prefer lean meat as well so turkey and chicken yeah the older i get the more (laughs) the more gross steak gets and the more i become like fish seafood turkey chicken especially turkey turkey is like jumped up my rankings girl a nicely made turkey i'm not talking about that dry stuff y'all be trying to cook for thanksgiving (laughs) i'm talking about nicely cooked professionally cooked you know butter bath cooked upside down fried yeah that's some good turkey. i feel like with turkey my only problem with turkey is that usually you like you have to make the whole turkey and i just can't yeah. eat turkey that, off that long i just like after three days or two days i'm like okay i'm done i cannot eat any more turkey guys and I think that's <laughs> my only problem whereas with chicken you can get like little pieces i know they do that with turkey too sometimes but like you want to make turkey the traditional way you know you don't like yeah chicken, you can just like buy some wings buy you know some breast or whatever and just like kind of eat it and just like it is what it is you know but I do like me some ground turkey. I'm not going to lie. Like, especially if I make like a chili. I haven't made chili in a while, but I do really like using like ground, leaner ground meat for that. What about you, Ash? How do you feel about meat? <laughs> huge meat person. I mean, I eat it sometimes, but I don't really eat it a lot when I think about it. I'm like you guys where I generally eat more turkey not really turkey but like chicken or seafood or whatever but i do i like enjoy beef from time to time i don't have a problem with it i don't eat a lot of solid beef like steak but i imagine if i did i probably would like the fatty parts so yeah i think they would taste the best but they would also hurt my stomach so (laughs) it's like it's a toss-up like what's worth it at this moment you know but yeah that is how Jimin's feeling. <laughs> we came like talking about meat and food, but you know, whatever. You know, 
things are going on in the world. Things are going on at home. I don't know. Kind of all over the place. We'll see. We'll see how this episode goes. <laughs> Have y'all seen, uh, just a side note to the listeners and to Ash and Nat while we're on this topic. Have y'all seen the post where uh, you can go to a restaurant, I think in the UK, and they will serve your food on a rusty garbage can lid? I, oh, I mean, I've seen a lot of British food, so maybe that's for like <laughs> You know, it's like the... It's like super trendy these days to serve food on anything but a plate. <laughs> but that is so, so gross. I mean, they have poop cafes, so like, come on. What? I'm not surprised. Yeah, you've never you've never seen a poop cafe. Like, I think it started in Korea or Japan or something like that. But there's one in Toronto. There's one in like uh, Koreatown here. So, yeah. It's now, what are you talking bad. about? You've never. That's gross. Like, I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's like the theme is, and like your seats are like toilet seats or something like that. Toilets? I've never That's been, gross. I've never been inside it, but that is a theme restaurant that is international at this point, okay? So I'm not surprised about that uh, at all, to be honest. But, this went down yeah. real quick. Let, let's move on. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I can't complain. Um, not a lot going on to talk about in my life right now, but sometimes that's a good thing. So I will appreciate it while I have it. So any good music that you guys have been listening to? The Mafia. Yeah, I like that song. Girl, <laughs> I've been I listening to Mafia? Really? I, I love thought it. You, I thought we were iffy on it last time. But you know what? No, two weeks like can change it. a lot. I liked it when we listened to it. I've, I've been raving about the song like since it dropped. Yeah, I like it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was different. I thought it was what, personally, I feel like it's a better take on Teddy Sound than what Teddy was doing. Because, I mean, they had that rum pum 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 and, you know, like, I, I, yeah. Like, they had all of the, the sounds that Teddy usually uses in his songs. Oh, but, yeah. But I thought, it, I, I think that they did a better job of it, to be quite honest. So, yeah. Well, shout out to Conk Daniel Stans because I've been listening to Antidote. I added Rainbow to my playlist by NCT Dream. That's the best song on the album, period. But we'll get to that later. I have also been listening to, there's this one song that I literally can never get out of my head. And it's actually a song called, I think it was like a meme on like Asian TikTok. I shouldn't say Asian TikTok, but I mean like, when I say Asian TikTok, I literally mean like in China, South Korea, those countries, when a meme was going around with this song. And it's called Kimi no Toriko. I don't know if y'all have ever heard. It's like, da, da, da. sorry, y'all don't speak Japanese. So <laughs> I just have to, I can't, I can't sing the lyrics yet. I'm still learning lyrics. the lyrics. Sorry, guys. I don't know I'm sorry. Y'all have to, I have to play it for you. I actually think so, something tells me one of you two would like it. Probably Ash, because it's just got that vibe to it. But it's, I don't know who the artist is. I have to look it up, but it's been stuck in my head. I've listened to that. And then also Eric Nam. His song with Sarah Barrios, really, I think it's her song, the Have We Met Before. It's such a chill song. That and Paramore's Last Hope. I love that song. It makes me cry every time I listen to it, but I love that song. So, yeah, that's really been my playlist. I've been listening to a lot of Michael Jackson, like, within the past day as well. Don't know why, but, yeah. Anyway, Ash? I haven't really been listening to a lot of new music lately. Been listening to a little bit of Little Mix and 
my general K-pop playlist. So, and I've been listening to some of the Hamilton soundtrack. So there's that. But other than that, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. So I've been listening to a lot of GOT7, of course, and Infinite, of course. And in terms of other K-pop, I just like the Mafia song. And like 2PM, I've been listening to a little bit more of and Beast Highlight because they had that comeback. So it kind of made and they had Highlight was on Killing Voice. You know, that thing where they like they sing snippets of their songs like from the past before they sing a little bit of the whatever they're promoting. So I've been watching that. I watched that and it made me reminisce about the good old days of Beast. So I was listening to like Fiction and Shadow and like Good Luck and like all these songs. And in terms of like other music, because Versus came out on Saturday night with Escape and SWV, I've been on an R&B kick, you know, just like reminiscing about the good old days, I guess. <laughs> and all of these like amuse- amazing groups and, and solo stars who sang all this beautiful R&B music. And yeah, that's kind of what I've been listening to. The version itself wasn't that great, I would say, especially at the beginning. But at the end, like when they started performing their music and like they performed Week is best, like specifically Week and like Escapes Tonight. I really like that song. But like Week is just like, are you, are you like from a black person from North America who doesn't know the lyrics for that song? Like, I have to really, like, obviously you probably aren't born in, t- in the 2000s, like, clearly. But anybody old, like, older than that, like, how do you not know the lyrics to Week? It's just the perfect song, you know? And it was a fun night. It was a fun night on Twitter. It was a fun night for the Black community and the Black diaspora, diaspora and, like, stuff like that. So, yeah, that's what I've been listening to. But, yes, yeah, so let's get to Wait, the- wait. Yeah. I almost forgot there is one other song that I've been hooked on and that is Jonathan Joestar's theme from Jojo's Better Adventure. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go go to YouTube, type in Jonathan Joestar's theme or Jonathan's theme, but only the the good part and it will change your life. It is so good. It makes me feel like a superhero. Yes. <laughs> Comebacks. All right. The notable comebacks are Rocket Punch with Ring Ring. They have a teaser out. EXO, Don't Fight the Feeling. They also have a teaser out. TXT, Chaos Chapter. They also have a teaser out. NCT with Hot Sauce. Oh My Girl with Dun Dun Dance. One Us with Black Mirror. Ailey with Make Up Your Mind. Itzy, Mafia in the Morning, Highlight, Not the End, and Silent G-Idol have Last Dance, which is half of half of it is an MV and a song, and the rest is on their Universe app, apparently, which I'm not even sure what the rest is, but maybe. Yeah, it's, it's this like weird thing they did where they only have like a minute and a half of the song 
and the music video done. And then you have to watch the rest on that universe app, which I guess is competing with Weavers. Uh, so I guess it's just to get people there. But like the whole point of K-pop, you know, blowing up is accessibility. So if you're going to start gatekeeping the accessibility, that might affect how many people are you going to really want to put the effort out, right? So I thought that was kind of strange, to be quite honest. But yeah, that's that's the whole story with that. <laughs> any thoughts about any of these other comebacks? Yeah. So to my body together, <laughs> they just keep outdoing themselves. Well, <laughs> let me not speak too soon. Every time I anticipate something to be great, it ends up being. But I will say that the teaser got me really, really interested. Like, even with the low budget CGI, the guys were great. Like, the members were great. Hot Sauce. I have a hot take on Hot Sauce. Everybody hates the song for some reason. I think it's listenable. Like, the song itself, the album, I think that it has, you know, some some stuff that's not my speed, but it does. Like I said earlier, Rainbow is on my um, playlist now, so it does have some stuff to, to redeem it. But and then one of the songs, I was pretty sure that every time they sang in English, they were making an innuendo. And I was hoping that was not the case because actually, let me check my notes on that real quick. Um, let me see how old this boy is real quick okay i so yeah <clears throat> i thought that it was an innuendo and i'm hoping that's not the case but they need to learn how to sing so that their words don't sound like innuendo and what else mafia was okay in the morning mafia in the morning i guess i wasn't big on it but i also don't really like blackpink so like their music i think as people sure but a lot of their music is just not for me but yeah other than that, I'm interested to see what EXO does, but my main focus right now is 2x2 two because two they've been hyping it up. I know they hype up everything, but this time it feels different. So I don't know. I I'm just curious to see what they're going to do. But what about you, Nat? Okay. Well, I'm just going to go in order for our, our thing here. Rocket Punch. I honestly can't remember the song they came out with before. So, I mean, I'll give it a listen when it comes out, but I'm not, I don't really have expectations in the same way about that. Exos don't fight the feeling. I hope it's not like Happy or that Justin Timberlake song from Trolls or whatever. I, I really hope it's not that, but I'm excited for it. I didn't see the teaser trailer as yet for TXT, so, but, but I will definitely check it out. I actually, at first when I heard Hot Sauce, I was like, this is definitely an NCT song, <laughs> you know, because it, sounds like an nct song but after more than like four or five listens it actually started to sound really good to me it does sound like it samples busta rhymes though like in terms of the the beat that was used for it yeah i hope they he got a check or who his production team got a check for that at the very least i mean sme is usually really good about that so I, i'm not really that worried about it and especially since it's so clearly something we've heard before <laughs> like as soon as i heard it i was like mm, i hope he got a check but i actually really like it i thought that i really i usually don't like the whole beat drop kind of like non-chorus chorus kind of thing but i really thought that like dance move that they did in the in at the chorus with like the the shoulder thing that they do and then like 
you know, you know what I'm talking about. If you've seen the music video, no, I, I actually video haven't even seen the video. Oh, I mean, it's like there's not really. It's not. <laughs> I don't think it's anything special. It's mm. literally just them in like you know very bright bright colors and it looks like they're like i mean i'm pretty sure they're packaging hot sauce but it could also easily very easily be drugs or something you know like the way that that whole thing is set up i don't know like you talking about innuendos i mean (laughs) who knows with what they were really trying to do with that mv but like the dance move itself was pretty cool i I liked it it was very catchy and something that was really fun to do i think i could see it being a tiktok dance for sure so if that like and see if there's like the hot sauce challenge or something like that i could definitely see that take taken off like a lot in terms of oh my girls done done dance it's not non-stop and i'm honestly i wasn't a huge fan of non-stop when it came out but it has grown on me whatever done done dance though was kind of like really watered down boring and boring i listened to it and i totally forgot about it right away which never happens with oh my girl songs like even bungee jump or Bungie, whatever the hell that song was called. Like, I, you know, I wanted to watch the music video at least more than once. This one, I didn't even want to do that. I, it was not that great. But I'll check out the the album. Their B-sides are usually really good. In terms of When Us, they dropped Black Mirror. Hot take. It reminded me of Dynamite. Because it is very much like a disco-y retro feel and they had so many nods to mj in it like so many um, and that's, so I wanna... sonically it's not like dynamite like sonically it sounds better <laughs> but like visually like every time they did like a michael jackson thing or whatever i was like okay so basically like you just are doing something that's retro and you feel like you have to pick an old timey like artists as well too like that's what it came across as it's my uh, see i hate when people keep calling michael jackson old, old timey i mean i'm not I saying that so much because they're doing retro because uh, i mean like 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 to be quite honest like michael jackson i mean his 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 peak was not even really like the disco-ish era era even though that's what he kind of started in like obviously like you know the group and whatever but like his peak if you're talking about like bad and stuff like that it doesn't sound anything like dynamite or like black mirror at all so like i like i wouldn't make those connections any uh, for any other reason outside of like what k-pop seems to be doing i just want to question to you really quickly yeah Yeah. Mm that when you say like when you say like okay it's like dynamite i guess my whole thing is is like are we getting to a point where no one can do disco and michael jackson tributes without no, 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 it it's being, not even that. or do you it's like the unnecessary like leg kick move and things like that that have no bearing on anything that's going on so like, you, you feel like that top. is something okay i mean i'm just i'm just genuinely curious i actually have not like really seen it but i just i've just noticed that like everything that has come out since dynamite that has been disco has been compared to dynamite and i'm like really i don't think dynamite is that influential people are trying to say (laughs) yeah that some that super m song was like dynamite yeah no i mean i honestly don't agree at all and i I just sonically this song i think is superior so it's not even about that. I just think like if you're gonna compare like what you know Rain was doing and what Taemin were do- were doing, those were authentic like nods to MJ that made sense, right? Like if you watch this MV, like they're doing some MJ moves out of like for no reason, just to do them. Like what? <laughs> it's like you put on a tan beige suit 
you know, and maybe some platforms and all of a sudden you're like in the seventies. I don't know. It's very strange. The whole thing was really weird in terms of like, like visually what I was seeing. And I think that like over the top tryhardiness is what I mean when I say that it reminded me of dynamite. Like, I mean, you know, if you want to say it's carefree fun, you know, like whatever, fine. It just didn't really make sense to me then. And it doesn't make sense to me now. And that's what like the comparison kind of came up. Cause I was like, I was watching them. I'm like, why are they doing these things? Like, what does it even have to do with the song or the music that's being played right now? And that's why I said it was like, it kind of reminded me of Dynamite. <laughs> I get it. Um, yeah. Yeah. What about okay, you, also, Ash? Oh, sorry. Let me just finish real quickly. Ailey's oh. makeup. Oh, I haven't listened to it sorry. yet. Sorry. Itsy's Mafia in the Morning. Love it. Highlights, not the end. Boring. Idol's Last Dance is actually one of the better Idol songs lately, even though it's only half a song. Says a lot. But yes. Ash, how do you feel? Well, honestly, I haven't really listened to many of these songs yet. I did listen to Mafia in the Morning with you guys, and I like that song okay. I liked what they tried to go for with the whole pseudo Blackpink thing, and I thought that they pulled it off fairly well. I'm kind of curious to see Last Dance now, after what Nat said, but I haven't. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, so I have a fairly long list of MVs that and songs I have to go through like from lately. So this is just more on the list, but yeah, that's it for me. So moving on to topics, our K-pop news. So the first piece is from the Korea Times and it's about how Korean under Korean law K-pop concerts are not performances they fall into the category of gatherings so when the country is at level 2 social distancing measures against COVID-19 K-pop shows can only accommodate up to 11 live audience members so just a lot of things in the article about how it's been very difficult for the K-pop industry because of how they're categorized. Musicals, however, are treated differently as they're classified as performances. So they can fill 75% of available seats as opposed to K-pop's only having 100 live audience members. and they're basically considered performances because during a K-pop concert, they the spectators can sing along with the performers. So that would some be something that they say could help spread the coronavirus. But you know, other people that work in industry say that the government could just ban people from singing and that the government rule makes K-pop industry insiders feel marginalized and discriminated against. So there's just been a lot of debate over, you know, how the government kind of treats K-pop and, you know, media as opposed to, like, 
classical music or musicians, just depending on like, you know, what rules are made. So yeah, this article was pretty interesting. So I have to say that I think this is interesting for multiple reasons. The first reason is that the whole reason for the, the classification, I think that's interesting because yeah, you can say, okay, well, K-pop fans can sing along, you know, but it's, I don't know. I feel like musical fans can sing along too, though it may be much more rare and maybe, you know, of course, frowned upon. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. I don't know. I just, I don't see, uh, I get where they're coming from, but I, I think that they need to have like a more specific definition there because the way it sits and the way it's the way it's so general that I feel like if it's about, oh, a person could open their mouth and start, <laughs> you know, ejecting bacteria or, by, you know, germs on other people. If that's, you know, what the concern is, then shouldn't, couldn't you like, you know, reductio ad absurdum here, but couldn't you just theoretically apply that to anything? Like, I don't know. Couldn't you apply that to restaurants too? Like, People, when they go out to eat, they have to open their mouths. And I don't know. It's just a very, very interesting rationale. Now, would I call it discrimination? I think that's a little much. Like, I feel like discrimination would imply like it applies a level of unjustness that I feel like this situation doesn't warrant. So to me, gives us some sort of uh, an insight in a way on how south korean at least the legal bodies how they see k-pop and and what k-pop does for the the community because if if they felt like it was something where it was really stimulating the economy i guarantee they would have more lax do i think they should no i don't think in any case you should relax procedure and i i feel like i i'm only you know just kind of talking about this to say they should make this law apply to more than just K-pop, you know, this sort of ruling. Uh, I'm not trying to say that it, you know, K-pop doesn't, you know, it's not fair, it's discrimination. I mean, it is a little bit unfair, but I, I'm just more so trying to make the point that like, if you're going to apply to K-pop, then you have to apply it to every, you know, all these other things that present a massive risk. You know, I don't know. Going to a restaurant is also a gathering, but yet it's still being allowed. I don't know what the capacity is. It's just the fact that like, it's not, it, it can't be as stringent as a K-pop concert, I don't think, from what I've been seeing, people have been going to, to restaurants in South Korea in, in normal amounts. So, I don't know. This is an interesting topic, but Nat, what do you think? Yeah, I think that it's definitely not very clear from a medical standpoint, I think, and also just like from a legal standpoint, it doesn't really say why and in in just like completely understandable <laughs> like from the general public kind of way yeah i don't know it it's very strange because people are still breathing in the musical there's still you have people on stage who are talking and yelling and singing and it's just kind of i'd say it, 
in some ways, I think why someone would say it's unfair. I mean, discrimination, girl, like you're going a bit too far, but definitely can see why somebody would think it is maybe a bit more classist. You know, like, because musicals and theater are looked at, you know, in a certain light in comparison, like, you know, it's, it's a civilized art versus, you know, other, other, other types of, of art, especially pop music. I can see why somebody would think it's unfair, but I don't, I wouldn't really go as far as to say it's discrimination. I'm actually kind of surprised because I feel like K-pop brings in enough money that these people would probably want to facilitate, you know, concerts again and things like that, of that nature, especially if they're willing to go so far to make laws for like people to not go to the army, (laughs) you know, like it it would be really strange that you would not want the money that K-pop brings in for concerts at like your big stadiums because everybody knows that like the Korean shows are the big shows for a lot of these idols. That's where they do almost everything. That's where they film them for the most part as well for like their live DVDs and things. So those tend to be like the bigger concerts, you know, like the first one and then the encore stage. So I don't know. It's kind of strange that they would not like they would work against the K-pop industry in that sense. But and especially as I said, especially since like like people singing, like if they're singing behind masks, should that not be OK? I don't know. I'm kind of I'm unsure of like medically. What, what are the scientists and the doctors saying about this? You know, like, <laughs> it sounds like somebody with, like, high school science said, like, well, I feel like they're going to sing along. And I feel like the particles from their mouth are going to, like, go in these directions. And that might be the problem. Like, what? <laughs> what are you even talking about? But I'm not my country, not my laws. So we'll see how this this evolves i guess as things either get better or get worse depending on where you are all right let's move on to our next topic the Gu the kuhar act was confirmed to be included in the 21st national assembly's policies this is a act that would base, basically disqualify negligent direct relatives from receiving inheritance. This kind of is related to the fact that after Hara's death, her family was fighting over all of her assets, specifically her mother demanding 50%, despite her abandoning her and her brother as children. So this act would basically, you know, basically kind of make the situation where, you know, people that are related to you can't get any of your money if they were not involved in, you know, raising you or were supposed to be and didn't do a very good job of it. So basically her brother pushed for it to be passed and it was improved in December of last year. So any thoughts about this? This whole thing got me heated because her mother abandoned their family when she was younger and her father basically raised her and her mother. So after Kuhara died, her mother had the gal, the audacity to demand 50%. Like, how are you not a disgusting human being? You know, she did nothing to help. 
And the courts did award her 40% instead of the 50% she was asking for. And the father, Clara's father got 60% and gave it to her brother, basically. So, I mean, I guess there's a positive that kind of came out of it with the whole fact that this act, her brother did push, you know, legislation and legislators to pass this this act and it, it is going to be ratified i assume if it hasn't been already and so this is going to prevent negligent parents from you know claiming assets on these estates and things like that obviously you know i'd rather guhara be alive and be here today but at least in her her memory something has you know has come out of it that would help somebody in the future and but yeah the whole thing has like that girl has not had any rest because it's just been a lot of BS since she has passed. Her abusive ex-boyfriend basically got off on everything that he'd done to her. And he was then able to sue netizens for defamation. Yeah. The Korean legal system is not set up for women. As I'm, I'm learning every day. So it is unfortunate. And, but yeah, I... You know, RIP, Guhara, and I'm happy that this act was passed. I want to say, just to kind of piggyback off of that, I think this could also, there could be something other that's also positive to come out of this in sort of being a signal to idols, anyone who has great assets, to write a will and, you know, consult a lawyer and you know get your your estate in order even if you are a young person because anything can happen but i i do hope that this is something that gets people thinking about like you know the people around them and you know if anything would happen to them who would you want you know controlling your estate and i don't know south korea's system uh with in that regard but you know in the american legal system people can write their own will you can write it you know you can get a trust you know fund created things like that to have your assets go to somebody that you want them to to benefit most and i understand that like obviously you know you don't people don't do that at a young age because you don't plan for things to happen but i think for people with great assets at any age, it's really important. Or I find that like a lot of celebrities of all ages who have unfortunately passed away, there's always like drama after their death with their assets. And I feel like it's just so gross that some families and friends even want to, you know, take advantage of really someone who's deceased. So one way to kind of rectify those situations and make sure that your assets are going where you want them to go is to get involved in that process of like you know starting the process of writing a will and things like that even if you are a young person yeah that that's really kind of what i take away from the situation you know i don't blame anyone if they don't have a will i don't think that's like something that you can even blame someone for it's just like one thing that you might want to think about if you do have a lot of money or a lot of a home or something important to you and you want certain people to have those things in in you know in case of a tragedy i agree that is also a very good positive never too early to make a will okay and then next up we have 
Hire Music made a video to announce their new artist, who will be JB from GOT7. The video was kind of dramatic and had scenes of JB riding a motorcycle in the desert and there's lots of lights and dark photography and all of this like kind of dark dramatic feel. So some people were saying it was kind of over the top, but are you guys anticipating music from JB? Do you think this will be better than what he did under JYP? Well, before I answer that, I want to say, for some reason, I thought that JB had already signed with somebody else. I don't know why. I thought he had signed with AOMG already. So I, I that's why I'm like, I was like kind of shocked because I was like, what? But with regard to anticipating JB, I actually never really listened to his solo stuff a lot when he was under JYP. I mean, I heard a few things and I definitely thought, you know, he has uh, a direction that he can go like especially like being an r&b oriented artist so i'm curious i think excited is a bit of a strong word just because like like i said i don't have anything to reference to to have that excitement but i am very curious to see what he's going to end up doing but i know nat <laughs> is probably over over the moon so nat <laughs> how do you feel so I'll preface this by saying that I got up yesterday at 5 a.m. thinking the news was going to come out yesterday. Today, I slept through it. I didn't really care. But anyways, I am not surprised that he signed with Higher Music just because that's basically one of the bigger R&B agencies you can sign with in Korea. And it just makes sense. Apparently, Jay Park reached out to him when their contracts, I guess, were come into an end with JYP and he really trusted what JB was doing. And so that's why he decided to sign with him and he decided to sign with him last out of the group. I don't know if it's a leader thing or if he just wasn't sure what he was doing. I don't know. Am I excited? Yeah. I think it's actually really dope. I think it, everything that got seven right now is doing, you know, is so different and it's not like, no shade it's not like the whole like sales thing because i feel like when you have fans who will bulk buy your your stuff and whatnot like it's not hard to sell at this point like you know a lot of records you know and especially in comparison to what people were selling like five ten years ago it's not as difficult right but in terms of like the way that the industry is being affected and the way that the fact that nobody is really doing what they like the members of God seven have been saying that they are wanting to do is, is very exciting. You know, like the fact that they want to release music, even though they're all, all eight of them are signed to different <laughs> companies, you know, like nobody is doing that. Nobody else is doing that. And like the ripples, like Jay Park got kicked out of 2 PM for talking shit about Korea has been cock blocked allegedly by JYP you know, was able to successfully build AMG, hire music, you know, be a successful artist on, in his own right, signed to Rock Nation. And he scoops up to members of God 7. Like, I think that's so dope and cool and just fascinating. And like the fact also to like, Sunmi was the reason that BAMM signed with Abyss. You know, like the industry is definitely like in a place that I never expected it to be. And I'm really excited to see 
what they can potentially do. Cause I mean, you have a lot of aspirations who knows what you're going to be able to actually do. Who knows what the fan support's going to be? Who knows? Cause I mean, it, it's easy to support a group, you know, but individually people tend to not do as well, you know, like that's just like a reality. So it's going to be interesting to see what this fan support is going to be like, especially for like Yuyum and R and JB who are doing R&B because the K hip hop K R&B scene is very different. Their fan bases are very different. They act a little bit different. They act, they're kind of, you know, they look their nose down. They look, yeah, they, they turn their nose down to like K-pop fans a lot of the time. So now seeing them move into these directions will be very interesting how the reaction is going to be and in that sphere and how the music is going to be classified in award shows and things like that. You know, like, are people going to respect somebody like JB like the way that they respect somebody like Dean? You know, like it's, it's very interesting. I'm very excited to see where this goes. And the guys look very happy, like extremely happy with everything that's going. Jay Park and JB did the whole like Spider-Man meme, you know, because their f- first names are both Jabum. And he keeps calling himself God. He-, he keeps saying he's a member of God 7, but now it's God 8. So I bet we're going to have like collaborations as well. It's going to be very exciting. See what's going on. I don't know. I mean, it was like... I don't think the worst kept secret because everybody knew it was jb with the way they were hyping it up but yes sorry (laughs) i don't think i and y'all are gonna have to forgive me here i don't think i've heard really enough j park music to know that i want got eight (laughs) um (laughs) not saying that it would be you know j park fan of the podcast (laughs) just saying that like you know I, i we'll see about that but yeah yeah, I mean, as I said, we'll see how this goes. We'll see as history unfolds. So yeah, very excited for him. Oh, and he dropped single on the 14th, which is, I think, Friday. So that's going to be his first release as a solo artist through Higher Music. I think him and, and it's like produced by Cha-Cha Malone. And I think it features somebody on it as well, too. I can't remember at this time. I apologize. So. Yeah, we're going to see how people eat it up. Okay. Next, we have boy group Epics from C9 Entertainment. They are debuting sometime in June. Recently, Epics revealed their mini album's title. And people were upset that they seem to be using mental health as an aesthetic in their title, Bipolar Prelude of Anxiety. And fans of the group and netizens in general were upset about the company using mental health as, as a marketing kind of thing. And that's interesting that, you know, people kind of, saw that and you know called them out for it even though it seems to be the whole concept to be opening up a discussion on mental health but it doesn't seem like what epics was doing was to kind of just use use it as a ploy to get more people to listen to the song it seems like they actually were genuinely trying to incorporate, you know, messages relating to mental health into their music, 
you know, to reach more people, at least from what I've read. So I haven't really read up on it, but I just based on what you said, right? I, I feel like I have kind of a hard time reconciling the idea that an artist or, or you know, an idol group would like purposely try to mock mental i don't know i just i don't know that that would be something that an idol group would do i mean they're problematic but they know where you know south korea draws their lines and so i think i think that they wouldn't you know and when i say they i don't mean epics you know specifically i just mean generally like the k-pop industry but I want to say, too, like with regards to like naming things, right, because this is a conversation I feel like we really haven't had before with titles. I mean, we talk about imagery. I know that, you know, not to call out your boy, Nat, but I, I remember that Jackson Wang song where in the MV he was in a straight jacket, like stuff like, you know, that type of imagery is seemingly like ubiquitous in K-pop. It's just something that you see quite a bit with and and not even i'm not talking about like straight jacket specifically i'm talking about like imagery that some way shape or form indicates that a person is going through some sort of mental health crisis and it's done more so for an entertainment effect than it is a commentary on mental health i remember that whole thing with sami was it 2019 i don't know if y'all remember the video where it was like she was 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 it? I think there, it had to do with like suicide, like it had suicidal imagery and stuff like that, or like uh, self harm imagery. Am yeah. I? Yeah, I thought I think that you might be talking about noir. Let's because see. like the pro her her promo for that was super controversial. Like yes. everybody was talking about it. Yeah, I'm on her Wikipedia page, and it's like, yeah, the basically. Or, she starts participating in various viral online challenges to garner more internet fame. Oh and yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's the MV. So okay. I, don't I don't know where I got the suicide from. No, there is stuff because basically the, like it, it was supposed to be a commentary on like online culture where people were willing to do anything, even if it's dangerous. So like some people, you know, will be like, I'm going to try, uh, like, I'm going to do the, my hand on the fire challenge to see how long I can keep my hand in this fire. You know, things like that. Like they'll do anything for attention. It's kind of the idea. So some of the right. things that she was doing in the MV were very dark yeah. to show what people are willing to do for like likes and retweets and things like that. I mean, that was, that was social commentary, but it was very, very dark at the same time yeah that's what i'm saying like people yeah right i just remember her getting so much backlash for it and i brought it up because this is a situation where likewise this group is getting a lot of backlash for what is you know being you know touted as sort of uh mocking mental health issues like you know bipolar that type of thing I think that I really need to see how they're going to do this because i don't know that i've seen enough k-pop groups talk about mental health in a realistic way for me to have a lot of confidence in how they're going to approach it because usually when k-pop groups want to talk about mental health and i'm not talking about individual people 
you know, who have mental health issues like, you know, Kang Daniel, unfortunately, who went through struggles with his mental health. Jung Hyun, like these people, I'm not talking about that. Jung Hyun has like songs talking about, you know, his depression. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like idol groups who have not been open about their own, you know, mental health struggles. Not that they have to, but just saying they haven't. But yet they're putting out, you know, these flower reviews of like, everything will be okay if you just fall in love and smile. <laughs> like, you know, like they don't approach it in a realistic way. That can be very dangerous and very troubling. So I, I want to hope that that's not what's going to happen. If it is something addressing mental health or, you know, since it's called, I think. Sorry. Is it like pre like uh, bipolar prelude to anxiety? Prelude to anxiety. Okay. Yeah, prelude of anxiety. So, yes. Prelude of anxiety. Okay. I want to say, you know, if that's what you're calling it. I'm wondering, are you actually going to discuss one of the members who deals with bipolar disorder? Because if not, I can see why people are outraged. That is a very serious mental health issue. And I hate when people say things like, like, you know, how people can be hot and cold on stuff that they go, my mood just changes with the wind because I'm bipolar. And they just say that because thinking it's like a a trend to be bipolar or something and they don't realize like just how much that the 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 disorder really affects people's lives i really hope that's not what it is because if that's what it is this group is canceled they're dead on arrival yeah but, no, i agree completely i don't know enough about what they're actually going to drop to say you know that this is the worst thing that I've ever seen before in my life or like, you know, them taking advantage of like mental health as an aesthetic, especially since K-pop has been doing that for a while. Anyways, I mean, it's funny, like if you look at the comments for this, the first comment is talking about the fan survey Big Hit did, which asked explicit mental health questions. So it's not like this is a new concept. It's just that it hasn't been as overt and in your face, you know, like nobody has been calling their songs about anxiety, anxiety, you know, like for the most part that I've seen anyways. Uh, so, right. so I think that that like, like usually what K-pop does is like they, they put it in some, like they wrap it up in some allegory or whatnot. So you, you like have to dissect the lyrics and find the deeper meaning. And, and that's what like a lot of these artists have been doing, you know, so yeah, I don't know. As I said, I'm going to wait to see what the song is actually about before I even really determine how I feel about it. All right. On to the next thing. Next topic is Young of NCT127. And he recently made a video where he was sharing his time and experiences of being bullied in middle school. I think he specifically said the eighth, ninth grade. And he just says that the bullying got so bad that he eventually like moved in with his grandmother. That's all the video that I saw, but basically I know some people were saying that this kind of adds to the narrative that you know, Taeyong wasn't really a bully himself, you know, that he was the one that was bullied, you know, he wasn't a scam artist or he, he didn't take advantage of people, you know, he had his own problems. 
So, you know, I don't know if that invalidates it or not. Those two things certainly are mutually exclusive. So that's all I'll say. Yeah, I actually saw this video. I don't actually know when the live was that this happened on, but just, you know, like, I don't know if that was uh, an incredibly recent live. I just know that it recently got sort of made public if it wasn't recent. But it, it was interesting to hear that he had had this experience. And it's something that, you know, we have not been a strangers to at the very least over the past couple of weeks in the K-pop world. But I, I want to kind of discuss the idea of like Taeyong's past and how people have judged him to be a bully and to be a scammer and all these things, which honestly... It's kind of funny if the whole scammer thing, I'm going to keep it real. Like, it's sad if it had effects on his mental health, of course. But like the idea of him scamming people for some reason, I don't know why I, I shouldn't laugh at that. But like, it's just the idea that so I don't know. It's just weirdly comical, not in a way like obviously I don't want to be insensitive if anybody actually got, you know, like harmed or cheated, you know, dr drastically. But I just want to say that, like, I do think that there were times where stories about him being a scammer and stuff like that was just were just kind of overblown because people just didn't really like Taeyong. Like, it's just kind of a fact. I think people just don't like him. But that that's kind of another thing i mean i i want to see more details on on that those situations too I mean, i don't want to speak out of turn completely but i i want to just say that with regard to like okay bully people if a bullied person can be a bully it's exactly like ash said those two things are not mutually exclusive like you can be a bully and be bullied i think many times the whole actually you know what they say traditionally you know is that hurt people hurt people and if somebody's a bully that's because they were bullied and and i'm not saying that that's always true and i'm not saying that that's true in this case but i am saying that like that doesn't mean th that it's impossible right either way though i do feel bad for him i've always kind of had a little bit of a soft spot for taeong i don't know why it's not because like he's not like my favorite in nct or anything i just feel like he always kind of comes off as like like a sweet person who's kind of misunderstood a little bit. And that could be, you know, me seeing what I want to see. I doubt it though, because it's not like he's my favorite, but it's just always has how he's come off to me. And I feel like netizens are really, really tough on him because of the idea that he could have been a scammer or was, I guess, a scammer. I think it was confirmed that he probably did run some eBay scams, but he was like 11. So I don't know if I... I don't know if I take that as seriously as like, I don't know. I, I think that's a little bit different, but we'll get into that another time. But just generally, though, I, I do feel bad for him a lot of the time. And I just I hope that, he, you know, his situation is getting better. I haven't seen him do anything that's like made me feel like, oh, I need to cancel Taeyong. Like, I don't know. I've just not seen that from my perspective. If somebody has any receipts, though, feel free to, you know, drop them in the comments. I just haven't seen them. So, yeah, I don't know. Nat, what do you think of this? I don't really know. I don't actually think that much about Taeyong. To be quite honest with you, I don't 
I'm not a huge fan of his rapping either. So I generally just like don't try to have opinions on him. I mean, yeah, I, it's the vi- the video itself was really sad to watch because you know he could, unless he's a very good actor, he was definitely going through it. And I mean, like I really did empathize with him when I was watching the video. So. It, it does seem like he was bullied at some time in his life. Does that mean he couldn't be a bully? No, I'm not sure about the bullying allegations because I don't think they were ever confirmed or anything like that either. So I, I just really don't know enough about that. In terms of the scam, I mean, being a scammer <laughs> is very different from um, like, I don't know. I just feel like him scamming someone at 11 like it is bad obviously but it's not like if he if he was to return the money and take back the def- defective goods you know i think that that is okay like i'm not saying that it's fine what he did i just think that it's not something that you can pull out like it's not like an agachi card you can pull out you know every year because you don't like the dude it's different from bullying i feel like that stays with you a little bit longer it definitely informs, depending on what happened, it does inform a lot of your life too and how you, and, and it causes you to have to unlearn things in the future, right? And then there's also the cycle of you being bullied and turning into a bully. So I think that being a bully is a little bit more um, of a serious offense than scamming people through eBay, you know, or whatever. As, as I said, especially if he ha- he returned the money, like if he was caught and he returned the money, I don't really care as much because if you got your money back, then you'll probably just go back on eBay and try to find like a legit version of what you're buying. You know, like <laughs> it's it's something that can be solved. I think a little bit easier than something like assaults and abuse and bullying. Like I think those are a little bit more detrimental mentally, physically, and emotionally, and they have longer term effects. In the like, you know, and I say that to say that you know I have obviously feel like scamming is is bad and it's wrong. You shouldn't do it. But I'm just saying in comparison to the two, you know, I I would definitely look at him a little bit more differently if he was a bully than because of the scamming that you know may or may not have taken place. I can't remember if it was confirmed. So it is unfortunate. I'm happy that he felt free enough to talk about it because I think that talking about it takes away the shame that a lot of people feel when they have been bullied and it fosters a little bit more community because like fans of NCT could see that and be like, you know, well, something like that's happening to me now, something like that happened to me before. And it can open up dialogue and people can are, are more free to get help. Cause I feel like a lot of times what happens, especially in like closed off societies like Korea, where shame is like the ultimate, like, like that's the one thing you don't want to ever do or cause is shame. So people tend to hide themselves when they're in pain because they don't want you know, to bring shame or to be not seen as like strong and, you know, whatever. So I think that him feeling brave enough to talk about it, it's going to open the dialogue and it's going to destigmatize the idea of being a victim in that way. And it's not, and I think it also kind of moves away from the whole, like, everybody's a bully, they're a bully, you're a bully, that thing that's been going on a lot. I think that, you know, calling people out and, you know, making sure people are held accountable is important. But I think the most important thing is the victims and having victims speak out and seek help is the most important thing, you know? And I think that this, as I said, I think it opens up dialogue in a lot of ways and, you know, kudos to him for being brave enough, you know, and, you know, 
I can imagine like it could be seen, you know, maybe or internalized as something embarrassing to admit. But I, I like I do really appreciate and love that he was open enough to discuss it and discuss, you know, sort of how he felt at that time and, you know, what was going on in his life. And, you know, maybe hopefully it helps some fans help some people who are going through it right now. So, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. All right. And in more NCT news, it was reported that SM Entertainment and MGM Worldwide Television Group basically partnered up to create a K-pop audition program in the United States. The program's goal is to launch a K-pop group that will focus its promotions in the United States. And the unit will be called NCT Hollywood, and the audition program is recruiting American males aged 13 to 25. They will compete, the contestants will compete in singing, dancing, styling, and a boot camp training concept that will take place in Seoul at the SM campus. So... We're having another competition show, and, you know, this group, interestingly, NCT Hollywood, is going to be specifically focused to the U.S., and they're recruiting American males. So are they all going to be American, or no? American as in any American or specifically Asian American? It says here just American. Okay. So, uh-huh. Okay. Is it is it a K-pop group? <laughs> like I, I have a lot of questions because I know we always joke that K-pop is Western pop and Korean. But like if they are all American, right? And not specifically Korean American. That leaves the idea that it's like, okay, there's going to be like white boys in this group. And there's going to be, you know, all kind of stuff who presumably because they at the very least live in America at the time do not speak any Korean. So are they going to get a crash course in like Anyo Haseo Sarangheo? Like I, I, I have too many questions about that and let's just say but let's just say you know for the sake of conversation that this is that it's supposed to be asian american males right the whole thing about about it is i feel like if it is specifically going to be like korean american males i can see it being a big hit like i can see the show being huge in the k-pop fandom not necessarily with like your average american just because i mean we already have american idol the voice like shows like that that all of 12 people watch and you know i don't think we're past our phase see i feel like okay this is sort of a tangent y'all but i have to say this i feel like when america does something and it's like just the phase for america if somehow it ends up in South Korea, it becomes like a mainstay. So like things that are phases for us, for example, we could go through a phase where, you know, we like boy bands. That is like something that Korea, it's has been a mainstay in Korea since the 90s. Like 
in fact, the the boy band concept has even grown in popularity. Whereas in the West, we let that go a long time ago, at least in America, right? It, it got to the point in the West where like people were saying, you know, like you had groups like Five Seconds of Summer who were popular because they had a boy band aesthetic, but they were they played instruments. So people were like, oh, they're a real band, right? So I, I I say that to say that things that are popular in Korea that came from America, like die out in popular have di- like already died out in popularity here and they may not even come back. Something I mean, it, some things are cycl- cyclical, but some things are just they just aren't right. But anyway, my point is, is I think that NCT Hollywood or Beverly Hills or whatever will be extremely extremely successful with a certain subset of k-pop fans just because it's like really close to home and people like i it might even be popular with koreans because i feel like it give it, it satisfies two things it gives you you know you're spreading sort of the korean hollywood wave spreading that to propaganda to america and it also gives you america which is i mean if we're no longer deluding ourselves here there's a like love hate relationship (laughs) that they have with america so i don't know i'm really actually interested in what nat has to say because i i thought she had some hot takes on the twitter when this was announced (laughs) so nat what do you think um i wouldn't say they're hot takes uh in terms of like the idea because i still don't know exactly what an American K-pop group looks like. I really am. I have more questions than anything. And Sarah Raleigh, she's a, like a Canadian author. She did do an article about like K-pop groups in North America earlier this year. That and she asked me some questions, and I'm like in it. And honestly, like all my answers were like, I don't know how to feel about it because I don't know what it means. Like, is this going to be the idol system with any? any person who's from North America, black, white, Asian, indigenous, you know, like is it open to anybody or are they specifically looking for, you know, the same types of people ethnic wise and national nationality wise and whatnot, who just happen to be in America, either for school work or whatever, or born here, you know, first gen, like what, what does it mean when you say you're looking for a North American K-pop group? Because if you're looking for just a boy band you would say that, right? Like, I feel like that would be the language that you would use. So specifically saying it is a K-pop group, like what about it is K-pop? Is it the idol system where you're, but you're not, this technically wouldn't be the idol system because you're not taking the idols in and training them and things like that. You're just running them through a reality show. Like, how is this any different from like, what's the Simon Cowell show? That little mix one? X Factor? X Factor, yeah, exactly. Like, how is that any different from X Factor and like how they made One Direction and things like that, you know? So I think that there is a lot of confusing language being involved with it. I saw like everybody on Twitter was pretty much very upset about it. They thought it was like a whitening of K-pop, an Americanization of K-pop, things like that. But it's like, first of all, K-pop is a Korean version of an American thing that exists. So is this like an Americanization of a Korean thing that was originally American, like and, and Japanese, because they did take some elements of from but Japan, that's just from that just brings us back question. to the original point. It's just a boy band. 
but that's the thing they're not calling it a boy band so like for me i need to know exactly what makes this different from how they created one direction and little mix like what exactly are you doing that is so uniquely k-pop outside of it being from a k-pop agency that makes this k-pop you know and i think that's my main question and that's why i don't know how to feel about it like in one hand i love me some boy bands and girl bands i don't really care i'm happy you're making a resurgence over here you know this means that i listen to less k-pop hey that might be a, a positive because People are just getting crazier in that space anyways. But at the same time, it's like, what exactly about this is is K-pop? You know, like, what, what about K-pop that you define to be K-pop is found in this reality show that you are creating? You know, and so I think that's my major problem with the conversations. People are getting upset and, you know, people are being patronizing. And like, there's a lot of different viewpoints. Some, you know, have, validity some don't you know like there's a lot of people just talking about it but we really don't under like we don't know exactly what this is going to be what it's going to look like what it's going to sound like what it's going to be we don't know what they're looking for exactly even so at that like i don't know like i just i feel like i have more questions than anything else at this point and then like okay so say it's just a boy band that they're looking for like these k-pop agencies whatever are just looking for a boy band then you know, what does that mean for like the people that they're going to scout? Are they going to have that one black dude who probably raps <laughs> in the group? Like, I don't know. You know, and you mean their photo? Because, you know, you know, Black Swan is kind of doing a similar thing where they're looking for the next member for for them. So and I think that I, this stuff yeah, is because, so interesting because they're they basically are not doing super hot. And I don't know if they brought on Fatu and like the other, I think the, one of the members is either biracial or like white, like she's biracial mixed with white or she's actually white. But I think they thought that was going to bring more international attention. I don't know if maybe because of COVID that has derailed it or if just like the response is just lukewarm. And so that's why they're doing But you have to out. know, you have to know that the appeal to K-pop for iFans is the Korean like a step it's it's specifically at least from like yeah it's like at the very least from like because here's the thing everything we can get musically from k-pop for the most part you can kind of just get it other places not i mean it doesn't have to be i mean you're not going to get it exactly like some groups have their own flavor i'll admit like nct their brand of noise is very specific so if that's what you're going for then you have to go to nct every time but if you are looking for something like early bts early like bap like you can get that from like anywhere like it's it's kind of like a, a thing that's like it's kind of by the numbers in that re- regard even just to kind of expand more on like this you know like i i don't know i i feel like like you said like the the, the draw to k-pop is for a lot of people i hate to say it i think it's like the idea that the music is in another language a lot of the times because sometimes like i think that's a a big another big part of it because sometimes i'll be listening to a song like and you you guys know that i'm on my korean journey and you know before like when i first got into k-pop i wasn't that good i knew basic stuff and i was like okay and i and i enjoyed every like you know all these songs but now it's like songs that i probably would have enjoyed years I don't enjoy now and it's not just because like i my tastes have changed it's also because i'm starting to understand what the songs are about and 
them are just kind of stupid. Like some of them are just dumb. And if you want to, you know, get insight into that, just look at Dynamite. Dynamite's lyrics were just dumb. They were just bad lyrics and not because they were in English, just because like they just were bad. It was not like I liked Dynamite, but I didn't I it, I like the sound of it more than I liked anything else. Like I I you will never catch me singing Dynamite. <laughs> like that's that would be taken to a different level but if i were to just like mute all of the the lyrics i would i would enjoy dynamite more because honestly the only k-pop group that's had lyrics had songs in english where i felt like the lyrics weren't childish or played out or corny or whatever is probably monster x i, I mean it's say NCT had like, <laughs> yeah, but my, and it's because like Monster X knew what they were doing. If that makes it like, it's like they knew what they were going for. Whereas other groups, I feel like they just aimlessly write stuff with the hopes that it gets popular and there's no like real rhyme or reason to anything. And it doesn't fit in with like the theme of an album and all this stuff. We, by the way, guys, we talk about a lot of this stuff on the album reviews on our Patreon, just to throw that out there, shameless self-promotion, but either way, yeah, I don't know. I think that when you you have to understand what the draw to K-pop is, it's literally like for a lot of the younger female fans, at least, who are, you know, interested in boys or in, any young fan that's interested in boys. It doesn't have to be, you know, female fans. A lot of the draw is like cute Korean boys singing in Korean and being colorful and like, you know what I mean? It, it, it's not... If they wanted cute white boys singing in English and being dull, they would go to Wonder <laughs> So, But Nat, did you, I don't know if you had anything to add, any more um, to add. I say. Yeah, I wanted to say just like with Monster X, like specifically something that they said, like I think I am said in an interview when he was doing his solo promotions was that normally K-pop is made to be consumed visually so we had to make an album that we knew we weren't going to promote in the same way so we needed to make it something that people wanted to hear and i think that's why <laughs> all about love is an album that sort of will stand the test of time and is doesn't sound immature and and frankly a bit childish and silly you know and i'm not saying like all k-pop sounds like that i'm not saying that at all i'm just saying that you know when people create k-pop music the visual element is always super important sometimes even more important than the lyrical content and the delivery i mean like look at a song like mafia in the morning which i do really like but without that mv being as cool as it is and the girls being you know like pretty and and aesthetically pleasing and things like that like would that song even have charted probably not <laughs> you know so yeah i i I don't know exactly what we're getting to really be able to say this is a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, it was inevitable, especially with the success of things like Produce 101. And, you know, I mean, the fact that, yeah, like the two top sort of boy group and girl groups in the UK and basically in the world right now are like, little mix and, and one direction, you know, I mean, one direction is definitely like broken up or on a break or whatever, but I mean, they're 
the money they made and their dominance, it, it was hard to ignore, you know? If you want a break for five years, <laughs> for six yeah, years. Right? <laughs> K-pop, K-pop groups do it all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, boyfriend uh, K-pop group is getting together to celebrate their 10th year anniversary and they've disbanded. They've been disbanded for years. So, I mean, it's it's definitely something that people are like, for nostalgic reasons, can kind of go back to, right? But I say all that to say it, you know, that I don't know. (laughs) I honestly don't know. I'm waiting for more information. I want to know, because if this is going to be open to all races and ethnicities, I kind of don't want it from from like a K-pop company, because I feel like that might push Korean BZ standards on these people. And... I've already seen how it affects Southeast Asian idols. I really don't want to have to deal with that for like young black women, black girls and and boys and, you know, young women and young, young men, you know, who have to conform to, you know, the sort of unattainable in a lot of ways outside of like without plastic surgery and like just extreme crash diets that, you know, a lot of the idols have to submit to, you know? So I personally would prefer if this was just, you know, the ethnicities and the races were the same and it was just like from North America. I know a lot of people would probably think that's in itself racist and maybe that is, but I just, as I said, I would not want to subject, you know, black women, black boys, sorry, black girls, black boys, or, you know, young women and young men, you know, to some of those really crazy standards that we know like we all know that K-pop idols have to conform to. So that's my opinion on that. <laughs> well, oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I thought you were asleep. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I'm still here. And in other NCT news, NCT Dream has their upcoming first full album, Hot Sauce. And it has apparently exceeded 1.7 million. Well, it already came out as of today. Oh. But. Well, the. Yeah, that article's a little old. Oh, okay. Well, it exceeded 1.7 million stock pre orders. And this was before it came out. So, this was a 243% increase compared to their previous album, Reload. So, yeah, they're they're doing pretty well. Any reviews? Anyone seen any reviews of the album yet? Well, we talked about it a little bit earlier, like the actual quality of the album. But I wanted to just kind of talk about like this monumental achievement. One point seven million pre-orders is like a ridiculous amount of pre-orders, and that has a sneaking suspicion (laughs) i don't know where she could have gotten this suspicion from that you know not all of those pre-orders were necessarily legitimately you know single individuals who were just interested in nct dream now me personally i don't have you know a dog in that fight but i will say that you know it's interesting because they seem to be and a bit of a war with their pre-orders and two by twos pre-orders with, you know, I know two by twos fans are 
kind of embarrassing me by, you know, doing the whole, like Nat was talking about earlier, the 12 point plan <laughs> to getting TXT to have the highest pre-orders or whatever. It's ridiculous, but I still think that this is like a cool thing for a group that is not, that a group that's mainstream, but not, they, I don't think they share the same international popularity as their other NTT units and definitely not as other boy groups. But Nat, do you have any thoughts about this? I know you said earlier that the, the dreamies dream stands were scamming. <laughs> well, okay. I'll be fair, you know, cause I always am. I think that all K-pop groups <laughs> basically have scamming going on with their families. I mean, if it's not renting out like an internet cafe so that you can stream the album or stream the MV or loop those those video loops, you know, like listen to hot sauce for an hour or 24 hours, you know, like because they do count right on some charts. So I personally think that everybody's scamming and we know they are doing it. It's not like it's it's not like it's hidden. It's an open secret that people have, you know, fandom Twitter accounts that say, hey, this is what we need to do. Here's a fun that we need to have for for their next comeback. I think I saw one for JB I mentioned. I saw like Western artists fan bases now are getting in on it. Like we need, you know, to stream this much. Let's, you know, pool our money together so we can stream and buy this album as many copies as we can kind of thing. So personally, I just hate waste. So I don't care about the streaming so much, but I really do hate when people buy multiple albums and they just... Like, unless you're going to actually put it on your shelf and like use, like keep it and because you appreciate it and you maybe love all the members and you wanted to, you know, like you didn't want to leave anybody out. So you got all the copies of the album. That's one thing. But a lot of people just buy them for the sake of helping their artists get to certain numbers and, and you know, numerical achievements that they, that you feel like they need to have. And I, I get, honestly, I do get it. I think there's a lot of pressure on K-pop fans along with the idols to keep up with their peers. And if BTS is doing, you know, like 3 million you know, for an album, other groups are going to want to do as well or do somewhat close to that. And I noticed that as soon as BTS started doing those numbers, well, first it started with EXO. EXO started being the million sellers. And then like BTS came out the gate was doing over the million sellers. They were like breaking all the old records. And now like NCT specifically, like last year, both residents part one and two were almost at like 3 million, you know, like, so it makes sense. You know, you, you want your idols to be competitive. You don't want them to be left in the dust because if you're not making money for a company, the company will drop you and not give you promotion. So I, I honest to God, I do understand it. I'm not like here to shame anybody or like point fingers and like anything like that. I'm not, but like, let's call a spade what it is, you know, like we can't, the self-righteousness that I see in a lot of K-pop groups and just like the outright lies from fandoms, like that needs to stop. We all know what the deal is. We all know that, you know, people will watch music videos every day, not because they like the song, but because they feel like it should get to a certain amount of, of views, you know, in order for that group to be competitive because you don't want another fan, but fandom or person or whatever to come up to you and be like, Oh, well, you know, like my group has a million streams or views on YouTube. Your group only has 40 mil, like, or sorry, 40,000 or whatever. Like, you know, who are you kind of thing? Like K-pop fans are kind of jerks. So I totally get it. You know, like, I totally don't. I honestly, 
I get it. I'm not here to shame anybody. But as I said, like, let's call a spade a spade. Let's be honest. Let's have open conversations about the things that fans do to get their idols to have the numbers that they do. They're not organic. We know they're not organic. It is what it is. So I'm happy for Dream. You know, I'm always happy for Mike Lee. He's the hardest working idol in K-pop. And I respect him. I love him. I've listened to Hot Sauce maybe about seven times. And it took me halfway through that to actually like the song. So I'm also very guilty of it. Like Classic NCT, man. That's how they get you. (laughs) They want you. You you listen to it so much that you start thinking you really like it. But I did like Hot Sauce to be. I mean, I do like Hot Sauce. I mean, the production on it is impeccable. I don't really care what they're saying for the most part. I don't think anybody like I think some of the bridge is pretty good, like sonically, but I don't think anything that they do as a group cannot be done by somebody else, you know, but the production a plus 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 I can listen to that song like I can listen to the instrumental of that song. No problem. Love it. And think it's one of the best instrumentals this year. But like what they've done, like even Mark's raps, none of it was very like you normally like I really do love when Mark raps and I think that he has very memorable lines and delivery but like I don't think anything he did or anything really that the rest of the group did was that spectacular in the song anything that was like oh wow that's that sounds great like I don't think that or it wasn't unique enough you know it was kind of by the numbers for me personally but the instrumental the beat everything that they were doing behind the scenes was fantastic and i give all my my props and praise to those people but yeah like hey you have to be competitive i assume then that like the next nct whatever album is going to probably do over two million which but they need to do to be competitive with the top group so hey but it is what it is okay and similar to nct hollywood we also now have with CJ E&M partnering with Indemol Shine Boomdog for an audition show for a Latin American boy band to be shown on HBO Max. So the show is going to follow a group of young men from Latin America the show will follow a group of young men from Latin America audition for a opportunity of a lifetime to fly to Korea to train under the K-pop secretive star-making system to launch the first K-pop coach to Latin American supergroup. And it also says that throughout the music competition show, contestants are tested with challenges designed to not only evaluate their individual abilities, but to help them come together as a diverse yet unified boy band ready to debut on the world stage. So um, CJ ENM is also looking outside of Korea for their next boy band. You know, Latin America is notoriously very fertile ground for K-pop fans. They have their own boy bands as well. So it's kind of interesting that they're making a boy band that is Latin American and speaks Spanish, but is made from a Korean company. So 
that's an interesting there's an interesting set of circumstances there i have to say whoever called it an opportunity of a lifetime must be a part of the ministry of propaganda because i don't i don't see <laughs> outside of being famous most idols like 90% of the industry probably i'm making that number up but it's a lot of the industry I don't think they have any other major pluses. I mean, you have to do this grueling training for 27 years before you can even debut, if you get to debut. And then if you debut, then you're in a situation where it's like you're kind of con like your money is split up with 27 members. If you don't come from a top company, it's hard to make the money make sense. It's hard to get promotion. It's it, there's so many like negatives toward if you're not going to be guaranteed success by being put with either Big Hit SM or JYP, then or to a lesser extent YG, then it's just like that is a huge risk to me. And you're doing all that like training. I think it's more of a huge risk because that training does take away time from your life. Like, it's not like it's and I get it's an audition show, so it'll be a little different. But still, like the training does take away time from your life to where, like, I've heard idols, you know, who dropped out of school, like because they were training full time. And then imagine if you're doing that and you don't debut. Imagine if you're doing that. Right. And you are, I don't know, Suho. And you thinking you're going to debut with Super Junior, but you don't debut. I mean, Super Junior debuts in what, 2005, 2006? And you don't debut till what, 2012 with EXO? <laughs> like, you just missed out on so much of your life for like this. Obviously, I know that's not going to be the situation with this audition show. I'm being dramatic for the purposes of saying it's not like a, a fluffy lifestyle. So calling it an opportunity of a lifetime is, is quite hilarious. But Nat, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, poor Suho. I mean, not only did he probably think he was going to... I don't know if for Junior. I know for sure he was an idol when Shiny, yeah, shiny. was together. So, I mean, the fact that he probably did think he was going to debut in Shiny and then did not debut in Shiny, only to have to wait for EXO, like, that is pretty nerve wracking. I mean, I heard he's rich. So, I mean, it probably wasn't that big of a deal outside of like the time. But yeah, Fair. in terms of though, this, this thing, like, see, this is a little bit more clear. I mean, clearly they're looking to debut, not like, I feel like they're not looking for Asians specifically just because the, the population in uh, some, most South American countries is much smaller and it doesn't, they haven't really said it's like a K-pop group. It just, says that it's going to be using the k-pop model so it looks like they're going to select the group the, like this group through these through this reality show and then they're going to train them through the k-pop model so it sounds like they're like it, it it seems like it's basically just like an elaborate casting call and then they're going to weed out the people that they don't think can cut it and then they're going to formally train them in the k-pop way and that makes you know, that makes sense. I'm not sure, you know, if CG, CJ, E&M, you know, with their history can be trusted with something like this, but they definitely have the money. And I mean, they only got a slap on the wrist for 
basically rigging everything that they've ever done. Uh, so <laughs> it's going to be very interesting to see how this pans out because I don't, I don't expect it to be fair, to be quite honest. And they'll probably have an idea of what they're looking for, which means there probably will be some less than fair results going on and probably also some colorism. So we'll see. We will definitely see when this drops, how it is done. I'm not super interested in male idols in reality shows. I, I have tried to keep abreast of kingdom and I just like, it doesn't really ring or register for me. I'm very honest, but I will, I'm very curious to see how this pans out and what exactly comes from it. I like watching history unfold, as I mentioned before. I mean, this feels like it's probably going to be more of a mess, but we all like watching, you know, messes as well. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. The former head from the A&R department of SM Entertainment was recently caught adding his wife's name to lyric credits on the songs of artists and a scheme to collect royalties. According to a report, he was caught adding his wife's name as a lyricist to EXO, EXO-CBX, Bacon, and Boa's songs. After discovering this, SM Entertainment suspended the employee, and he's now subject to severe disciplinary action. So, interesting that they were trying to kind of slip their name in where it didn't belong to collect more money. But something tells me this is probably not the first time someone has done something like this. And it probably happens more than, happens more than we think. So, Don't you remember when that Pledis founder was doing it with eyes one songs like i feel like that was the first time i'd heard about people doing things like this and he yeah he put his wife's name under like a whole bunch of their songs and so that she could collect royalties from it and then he got caught and then he just ruined like removed her name and maybe i think he gave up some of like the royalties themselves and then that was that was it no punishment no nothing because you know they only give real jail time and real you know fines and things like that for serious crimes like doing marijuana (laughs) i don't know it's like yeah it was literally like i'm looking it up right now and basically he you know he withdrew his wife's credits and returned the royalties and that is that so I don't know what SME is going to do to this dude, but he'll probably suffer the same unfair fate, you know, of scamming his company out of money. Because, I mean, he put it on, what, Beckyon's music? You know how much an EXO, an EXO CBX and BOA? His wife was making money, so... Girl, that is the dumbest scam (laughs) I have ever heard. That's, That's like cheating in the most obvious way. Like, you know how they, you know how they say like if you're gonna steal something you have to like you know people who like manipulate time cards stuff like that. you start small like you don't 
you don't just like steal hundreds of thousands of dollars at a time. Like you steal pennies and those pennies add up over time. This dude was pulling Bernie Madoff scandals. That's crazy. Yeah, it's really funny because I feel like he like, especially in this age of K-pop fans wanting to like checking who writes the music and looking them up and like going to their Instagram and Twitter and things like that. It's very easy to find like things that don't add up. K-pop, let me tell you about K-pop fans, eh? You know, I really hype these people up, but I feel like they should open detective agencies because I think they'd be very, very fantastic at it. I have seen them find things out and figure things out and just sort of stay on top of things. Like they know when their idols follow, unfollow, when they delete archive pics off Instagram, they know. Like like with the tri- the teaser picture from Higher Music for JB, even though it was, as I said, the lead, like... <laughs> the lamest secret ever because everybody kind of had an idea and knew like they were like he was wearing a ring in the picture and they had like 50 pictures of him with the ring on in that exact made way to, to prove that it was him. <laughs> i mean like this reminds me when really jenny good. when jenny was dating kai and everybody was talking about their love stagrams and talking about how there was like a video where like i guess kai was like vaguely glancing in Jenny's direction <laughs> like I don't know but they were like analyzing saying this is the, how we knew that Kai was dating Jenny and I was like first and foremost y'all sound something's wrong with y'all but secondly it's just so like weird how many details they pick up on like it is so strange to me yes they I I mean the the k-pop detectives if they're on the case, they will find it out. Like they will absolutely do. And I think I personally think they should use their power for good. But you know, whatever interests them is is what keeps them abreast of all information. So if a random person mentions your fave and and you know they feel like they're someone worth you know mentioning, they will you know screen cap it and put it up. It's it's fascinating. <laughs> I feel like this is very specific. <laughs> it is, but I will not say exactly what it's for. <laughs> What's next? Okay. For YGE, we have other issues as well. The current CEO of YGE, YG Entertainment, Huang Bo Kyung, stepped up to take over the role after Yang Kyun Suk's brother Yang Min Suk stepped down. It's being reported that she and other executives were involved in, insi- in, in insider trading. So Huang apparently acquired shares under the name of her subordinate manager Kim and sent Kim funds to Kim to buy shares by having her husband's friend hide his borrowed name and it seems like there's just a lot of using other people's accounts and trading under borrowed names and yeah it just it seems like it, it seems like they were just you know trying to be all these different ways of kind of the system 
And this was apparently revealed as part of the Bernie Sun investigation into the company. And YGE's statement was not accepted by the National Tax Administration. So it kind of seems like YGE is just another aspect of the company, um, always doing something illegal. I don't really have much to say about it than that. Is it like initiation? <laughs> Do you gotta like commit some sort of crime to be a part of this? Like I'm I'm so confused how it's the same company that has like the same type of issues repeatedly outside of the idea that it is a part of the culture, you know, at this point. And yeah, I don't even I, like I don't even know how to respond to this because as soon as I saw it, I was like, but of course. <laughs> Like, how else could I have reacted to to something like this, you know? But it is a financial crime, so likely there will be some sort of punishment versus whatever is going on still with the burning side. I mean, Sungri is likely not going to be charged with anything, and if he is, it's going to be very light charges. And it looks like all of the dudes that were part of, like, like that we know were like in the and that were proven to be in the mocha mocha scandals and in the the chat rooms and, and things like that they're all going to get suspended sentences just now and so i you know i don't think anything is going to change because of what happened with burning sun and a lot of big bang fans you know the ot5 fans are you know very they're motivated they want sangri back so i mean it could happen at this point. Just know Sun Gregorian joins Big Bang. That will officially be my last day as a fan. And I mean, I've been in basically an OG Big Bang fan forever. And through all of the stuff, all of the stuff that we, we have experienced. But that would be my line in the sand. So we'll see how this progresses. You know, we'll see. Okay. Next, we have a new interview that was given by Sarah from formerly of Nine Muses. She recently spoke to a Brazilian YouTuber slash journalist, Fefo Kyres? Kyres? I apologize for mangling your name. But in the interview, she talked a bit about how she didn't no, she was leaving Nine Muses until she saw it in a news article after she had tried to negotiate for additional artist freedom. And then she had the story about the Star Empire Entertainment CEO that had huge connections in the industry and threatened to break her legs if he saw her again. And she said that drove her to other entertainment platforms like YouTube. So I haven't really watched the video, but it looks like Sarah, you know, talked quite a bit about, you know, a number of things. And it's worth a watch if you, especially if you were a fan of Nine Muses. But it seems like she's been on YouTube for quite a while. So she, she has quite a bit of content anyway. 
what do you all have to say about Sarah? Like, I don't, like, I mean, obviously this is all, like, alleged, but if any anybody had watched the Nine Muses documentary, which is on YouTube, you, like, it's it's very easy to believe that they, you know, her CEO was physical and threatened her and things like that because they were quite abusive to the girls when they were training them to debut and the lack of success, like commercial success that girls experience probably exasperated that because idol groups are very expensive, especially a group with so many members. So I'm not... Like, I'm, I can't say for sure that it happened, obviously, for legal reasons, but I do I do see that there is precedence for me believing that it occurred. And Sarah, as you know, has been through a lot, you know, in her quest to just make music. And yeah, it is very unfortunate. The, the interview itself is pretty cool. But yeah, no, I kind of, I was wishing the best for her. And she does have really cool content on her YouTube channel. And she does Twitch, I think, too. So I think that it is definitely worth everybody's time to support her. And I know that there is seems to be a bubbling resurgence of popularity for her, for, for Nine Muses, sorry. Similar in, in the way that Brave Girls has seen a resurgence. So it... I mean, if that's the case, that'd be kind of really cool to see. Like, I don't know if she would be a part of it because she did leave. She didn't leave at the end. And I don't know what her relationship is with the other girls, but it would be very cool if we saw the girls, you know, all together again performing. I think that would be very dope. And I think that they definitely had a lot of quality music that at any other time, I think, would have propelled them into the top it was just very competitive in the second gen like everybody was making good music for the most part and there were so many groups so it would be really hard you know in that time frame for them to stand out as much but like you know news wild like they had uh hurt locker like drama they had a lot of really fantastic songs and yeah i kind of always wanted them to do better but we'll see but yeah, support Sarah. Okay, next up we have an article that was published in Teen Vogue by Ashley Mitchell. And it's about rising R&B star Rakaya on K-pop appropriation and building her own lane. And we've actually mentioned her on the podcast before and talked a bit about how she's kind of unique and that she has her own music and that she sings in Korean as well as in English and is kind of trying to be a bridge between kind of the two cultures by like kind of absorbing Korean concepts as well as using Western ones. But at the same time, you know, wanting to be, 
I don't know. I guess a combination of both things. She did address, you know, issues of K-pop largely borrowing from Black culture and the lack of visibility and acceptance for people with darker skin. And she gave a fairly lengthy answer to that. And she said that if all companies incorporated cultural sensitivity courses or something, they would be way more successful with their groups. Fans won't find something offensive if you're mindful. And, you know, just in general, you know, she said, why are you upset at me singing my own culture's music in Korean? But you're not upset at your favorite Korean artist singing in English or rapping. You know, and she calls that anti-Blackness. So... With regards to sort of the last line there, I've actually never thought about it that way. That That's a really interesting take of like, you know, people being upset if a non-Korean person makes music in Korean, but not upset when Korean people make music in English. I think that that's an important note because people, you know, will say everything they want to say about English being a lingua franca. They'll say, you know, well, you need to sing in English to make it in certain industry, this, that, and the other. But the reality is that's actually one patently untrue. But I think the reality is, is that these idols, I feel like the reason why English makes it into this, these songs, one, you know, it goes back to the influence of the Western music industry, particularly the black music industry on K-pop. But then it also goes into the the idea of like what people see as cool and how loan words can be seen as cool and how rapping is seen as cool. And because these things are seen as cool, it makes it into the music. It has I feel like people think that it's deeper than people think that it's like, you know, oh, they sing English because they want to, you know, they know that they have to do it because of imperialism. And they try to make it like so much deeper than the reality of it. And so I think that she made a really good point there that I actually haven't heard made before, but makes a lot of sense. Like, what's the difference between her singing Korean and them rapping and singing in English? There's no difference. Just be real and say that you hate anything that has to do with blackness. You hate anything a black woman does. And you prefer to see any semblance of blackness sort of sanitized through an Asian face. That's just the reality of it. A Korean face. I'll be specific there with these Korea boots and stuff. But no, I'm really happy that she's speaking up about something like this. I think, you know, she's in a unique position to be able to do it. And I wonder, too, you know, I'm not sure if she's fluent in Korean, you know, just because she makes music in Korean doesn't mean she's fluent. But if she is fluent, I wonder, too, with her being in the industry, if just her mere presence could help bridge the gap, which is, you know, her stated goal. And I wonder how effective that that can be, being that that is already her goal. So. Yeah, no, really interesting to hear. Nat, did you have any thoughts? Yeah, uh, I first I want to give a shout out to our lone Kang Daniel fan <laughs> because because KD on Twitter who did ask for us to discuss this article some more. And yes, thank you so much. Love support. 
her. Um, and I'm really happy that I did read this because, as you know, Ashton mentioned, we have spoken about Arkaya when she was dropping the first, her first single in, in Korean. And I have seen like a lot of support, you know, and I love that she incorporates K-pop merch into her brand. So it is very dope to see and people are loving it. People are supporting it. And I think that, you know, everything that you mentioned was like spot on why I really love this. Interview. I really like this one thing that she said, we're one of the few cultures who do not get to gatekeep. Everything we do is heard and borrowed and taken and replicated. Like we see do-rags and you don't really know what a do-rag is meant to be worn for. Ethnic, ethnically for people's hair. But to you, you see it being worn by this group of people you like and idealize. So you are going to do it too. You want to be supported as much as possible, but it's hard for Black fans of Korean music and it's hard for me. I'm making music in Korean because that's what I choose to do. I'm not a K-pop idol and I don't wish to be. I'm an R&B singer. Sometimes I incorporate Korean because I took the time to learn the language and culture. And I love, love, love that because she hits the, the nail on the head like every single point, every single sentence. We are not allowed to gatekeep. I mean... We have non-Black people telling us that they want to say the N-word because they can and it doesn't mean anything because it's with an N-A, with an A, N-A and not a hard E-R. You know, we're not allowed to gatekeep anything that we do because people Girl, want to feel it. Sorry? <laughs> if we try to gatekeep, if we try to gatekeep, we get, you know, looked at as uh, being too sensitive, right? Oh, you're, you, you have the victim mentality. But it's, nobody says anything when these other cultures gatekeep because Asian, every single Asian culture that I can think of gatekeeps a part of their culture to the point where it is either completely inaccessible to others or if it is accessible, there is a strong element of, I mean, just look at the Japanese, like, for example, there's a I, I this is kind of a tangent but Rui Hachimura he's a biracial Japanese black NBA player and he recently was receiving hate messages from Japanese people telling him to die and that his birth was a mistake because he's half black and that is basically gatekeeping like somebody's bloodline like that that's like a level of gatekeeping that i have not seen in the black community i just don't in fact sometimes people be too open <laughs> with their bloodlines but that's beside the fact all the time <laughs> and 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 i'm not you know I'm, I'm i'm of course not saying that there's not allowed to have mixed people it's not what i'm saying i'm just making a point that like everybody's allowed to gatekeep extreme amounts of their culture but black people because when we do it people always say well you guys have a perpetual victim mentality and that every everything is an issue with you literally that is what we get told and it's like well maybe everything wouldn't be an issue if y'all didn't steal everything from us everything that is popular with you it is popular because it came from us so if you didn't do that maybe you wouldn't feel like it's every time you look up black people are talking about cultural appropriation we'll stop making everything you do modeled after things that we've already done it's really quite frustrating and I'm happy she touched on that, but I'm sorry for cutting you off Nat, but you, it just made me think of, of that. So yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's the gaslighting for me is really how, what I want to say about that, because it really is this form of gaslighting. Whenever people speak up about things like cultural appropriation, it's not a big deal. You're being too sensitive. You know, that's not what we're trying to do. Like it, it's 
all totally gaslighting and mental games at that point. And the thing is, like, I love that she said she's not trying to be an idol. She just wants to make R&B music in Korean and use some of the culture and the language because she did take the time to learn the language. She said she's not fluent, but she's learning and, you know, she's getting better every day. And so she wants to incorporate it. How the hell is that any different from what Korean music is at this point, like Korean pop? You know, you know how it's different? You know how it's different, Nat? Because she oh. actually respects the culture that she's using. <laughs> you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. So, yeah, like, I love the interview. I thought, like, thank you so much for for in, for um, introducing it to us. I had, I'd never seen it before, to be quite honest with you. And it was just so rife. And I was telling you guys before when we before we recorded, I was like, what I really love about it is that she wants to work in the industry, but she's not going to to do the whole thing that most people will do in the situation where you know they don't say any they don't speak up on the issue because they don't for fear of having doors closed in their face and i love that rakai is just like listen i'm not trying to be an idol anyways so i don't really need some of the networks that that you know would be necessary for me to to be i guess seen in korea in that way right so she's able to be as honest as she wants it's like you know sort of like with what you know i do and what we do here like we can be honest because (laughs) we don't really you know like our presence online is a little bit different than some other people you know and so like i love that rakaya is using that that extra space and freedom to be honest and speak on the issues and be and you know be authentically her and I, i love that whole thing so yeah great article you know um hoping to see more hopefully she said she wants to work with like a whole bunch of artists like dean and like bts and like it was exo or nct i can't remember but like she she did list a bunch of artists that she korean artists that she wants to work with and hopefully she does she just said she wanted to be more behind the scenes like writing producing kind of stuff and i think that she'd be fantastic because i've heard her music before i think she she has a really good ear for it so yeah okay lastly we have a little story about Wanho that kind of relates to our personal Twitter account. Nat, I'm going to let you handle that one since you're kind of involved with that story. If any of you follow our Nyan accounts, you would have seen a bit of a kerfuffle that occurred, I believe, on Friday night when I had retweeted a tweet from Cosmopolitan that was of Wanho. He was in a bathtub, shirtless, had a bit of a, like a robe situation going on, you know, from time to time. And he was singing. And I mean, he was looking like a grown man of his age, doing what he wanted, showing off what he wanted. And I retweeted it and said, this is the one, this the Wanho that fans are saying isn't comfortable being seen in a sexual manner. And that seemed to set off a certain subset of Wanho slash Monster X fans who feel that he's receiving a bit too aggressive of a sexual response from fans in general. And, you know, I personally have not seen any of that stuff. I mean, I follow responsible people, responsible adults. And so all I've seen are people who say like, oh, they're thirst traps, you know, make a bit of like OnlyFans jokes here or there. But 
I mean, it's it's fairly much in line with the way that people talk about attractive men, whether they are idols, whether they are actors or singers or rappers or whatnot. Like, this is what it is, right? And I mean, Wanho has posted pictures of himself, you know, sometimes ass up, sometimes, you know, he's not wearing clothes and he's, you know, has a sheet dramatically wrapped around his body i'm sure like if i worked out that much and i had such a solid form i would also probably show it off as much so i totally get it i mean he's 28 he's probably been in relationships where he's dated women and it's or men or and you know whatever he prefers and it has gone places that you know adult relationships tend to do and i think that's perfectly normal it's perfectly healthy as long as they're responsible as long as consent is involved i I have no problem with it. I do know that K-pop fans tend to have a problem with, you know, their idols being seen as adults. And I have seen in a lot of cases, this weird infantilization of Wanho where people are trying to make it a social issue. Like, oh, he's being harassed and, oh, you know, like you need to not talk about him. And I have done some, you know, some, tweet like some checks on twitter and things like that to see how his fans are commenting on him and i notice that the people who are upset are the ones who only use the word cute to describe wanho not sexy you know which not anything like that just cute look i mean i'll just say like this debatable but continue <laughs> so I mean, I only spoke on it a couple of times because really, like, it's not that deep to me. It's not that serious. I don't, in terms of, you know, questionable tweets that he's receiving from people that are out of line. Yeah, that's wrong. People shouldn't do it. I personally don't even like fan culture for the most part. I personally don't even like airport fan cams because I feel that they're very intrusive. I think that they're dangerous in terms of security wise. And so, I mean, I'm just a person who doesn't like when people cross the line. I think being a fan is is okay. I just think that the fan culture, especially in K-pop, tends to cross the line all the time. And that's okay. Like, it's okay to have pictures of these idols while they're grocery shopping or deciphering looks that they give female idols and making videos about JB and Sogi maybe being in a secret relationship, you know, in four parts. Like, that is somehow completely normal. But <laughs> saying that Wanho is sexy is a problem. Okay. And so, you know, I personally don't give a shit what any of you think. I honestly don't because when, if you've even listened to three episodes of our podcast, you would know that we do not condone or accept or sorry, we, we don't accept and we don't approve and we condemn very harshly, you know, predatory behavior, sexual assault, rape, things like that. We have openly spoken about this on this podcast and especially with when we talk about like laws to protect women in Korea and our problems with that, like we've talked about it today in this episode. So I know that you guys are not mad. Like, I don't, I know that you, you, you know, the fans, there's a subset of fans. And I say subset because I have seen also like mom babies and like other one health fans who have been supportive and who have, you know, agreed and, you know, 
you know, had discussions about this, you know, in their own ways on Twitter. So I know it's just like a small subset of, of just like parasitical fans who have this behavior, this, this behavior and this belief that we have to conform to what you believe and what you think is right. And like, if you're repressed sexually, or if you have, you know, these things that you need to work out where you Cause I mean, having a problem with someone saying that a grown man is sexy, a grown man who likes to be shirtless a lot of the time and has a video of himself doing Pilates. You know, the kind of stretches you do with Pilates. Okay. So if you have a problem, if you have a problem with, you know, people saying that he is sexy, that is a you a you problem that has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with Juan Ho. We are fine. We, you know, we understand what's going on here and that's fine. You are the problem is all I have to like, really, that is the crux of it. You have a problem. I did not say anything that was over the line. I did not say anything inappropriate, you know, whatever your Amish beliefs are, like you got to keep it or you need to understand that not everyone's going to believe what you say. Now, if I see somebody doing something that is inappropriate, I definitely will speak out on it. Have you seen our Twitter? Have you listened to our podcast? We constantly speak out on things that are very unpopular and catch the ire of many fandoms so it's not like we shy away from controversial topics okay but you know we have our own feelings on certain things and we are not afraid to speak out on it and so as i said do not like and honestly if they had not come at me so crazy like automatically calling me a like somebody who condones, who like approves and accepts and likes and is a sexual uh, predator and like a pervert and all this shit. Like if they hadn't come with that attitude, I probably would have been open to discuss it and open to, you know, seeing what, what, you know, they're maybe are referring to specifically, but because they came at me crazy and they were not really logical or making sense or rational at all. Like I, I basically just muted all of you. So like, if you don't see my response, like that's the fact, like you have been muted. And also going to our YouTube page to leave comments saying that we, you know, we're sexual predators or we approve of sexual predators or anything like that. Like that's like, that is just more proof that you're crazy. Like, I'm sorry, you like, there is, there is something going on here that is a you problem that you need to fix because that like, why would you even do something like that? Why does that make sense to you? That you don't agree with something Sorry, that you don't agree with something that I said. And I said, you know, I was very honest. Like when I put those tweets out, I am that and this is my opinion. When if you don't agree with that, that is fine. But why would you go then to a memorial for Kim Jong-un and put a comment out like that? Like that is disgusting. Like the only like the way that I'm looking at this now is that you're being irrational because, you know, you want everybody to, you have a a certain belief system on how your idol should be treated and you want everybody to conform to that. And if they don't conform to that, that's the problem. And that is very toxic, negative fandom behavior. You have so many different people from all walks of life. Everybody has different beliefs. Everybody has different attitudes towards 
these idols. Some people like to make fun of their idols, like in a laughy, jokey manner, like nothing serious, but that's how they show their love. Some people, you know, will put posters of them all over their walls. Some people, you know, will go, will buy every single magazine that they're on and like, whatever. Like there are a lot of things that people do that harm nobody that, you know, people do try to police. And I think that is wrong. I think basically the, these reactions from these people are wrong and it's toxic and all you're going to do is push people out Pe you're going to push the people out that really just enjoy things like i enjoy wanho's ways i never really thought much about it in month x but his solo stuff has been pretty solid and i'm seeing him as an artist more and you know yeah he posts you know like these sexy tweets and, and instagram posts and things like that yeah but for me it's not really even about that like i can joke around with people but it is not really about that for me it's always really been about the music for him and for monster x to be quite honest so yeah fix your shit okay sorry jimin what are you okay saying? well I, I just have a couple things and i want to be as succinct as possible i want to say one please don't come onto my video that i made for jonghyun like on that bs like <laughs> girl to accusing somebody of any of these things that, that you these stands have accused you of nat that is like first and foremost that gets into defamation like slander territory like real quick so i'm not even sure that y'all want to go there in the first place three and this is like not about like us but this is about wanho and i want to say this it is incredibly and insidiously racist toward asian people when you treat them like babies that is like the biggest asian stereotype for asian men is that they are not masculine that they are not sexy that they are not they are basically babies they are literal infants that are asexual they can, you cannot find them attractive they don't have any masculinity about them that is one of the biggest stereotypes that plague asian men that i constantly hear asian men discuss and constantly hear asian men say that they feel ostracized they feel isolated they feel it it it, it evokes a reaction in them that makes them feel othered why would you want to push that onto someone who doesn't want that it will be totally different if wanho was a person that was like please don't ever call me sexy. You know what I mean? Like if he said, please don't say this about me or please don't think this about me. Like if he said that, that would be different. I don't think Wano has ever said that. If he's ever insinuated through his actions that he doesn't want you to view them that, that way, he would have probably told you that. And I don't think he has. And, and this is an issue because I take one of the biggest cases that I take, and I know it's usually him joking when he says this, but one of the biggest cases I take is JB from God 7, where he always goes, I'm not cute, I'm sexy. Because he doesn't want you to see him like a baby. He wants you to see him like a, an adult. Because it is racist, with a capital R, to infantilize Asian men when they do not ask you for that. When you automatically assume that because he is Asian, he you, he has to be babied. He can't because let's be real. If Wanho was white, there would not be the same reaction, especially 
especially if Wanho was black, if he was black, this wouldn't even be a conversation because black men have the opposite problem where they are hypersexualized. And people don't really talk about this. And I think it's really weird. I mean, we've talked about infantilization on our podcast, but I mean, like people don't talk about the racist aspect that comes into play that let's be real. If Wan Ho was William, it would be a different story. I'm sorry, but with a body like how he has with the physique and I don't mean that in an objectification way I mean that in a way that like men who have those types of physiques typically are seen as the most manly the most this that and the other whether that's a good thing or not is a, a totally different conversation but it's just how they are seen that's just the facts but that you can't see him that way fine sure if you don't think he's sexy then that's your opinion I so for me I don't I don't have that feeling but if somebody feels that he is sexy and and it's not like they are and no don't get me wrong to one host stands who are saying that he has been sexually harassed if that's the case that's horrible I, we don't promote that that's not what we're about what we're saying is that genuine generally speaking being attracted to someone or finding them attractive is not wrong and and sexy is really another way to say attractive it's just a a different type of attractive it's not the same as attractive like cute or attractive like boyishly handsome right or attractive like the flower boy aesthetic which i think is very common in k-pop it's just a different type of being attractive and there's nothing wrong with that and there's nothing wrong with wanho wanting people to see him in that way I know we joke about Temin. He wants people to see him as like, I mean, he had a whole interview where he told these girls to call him Opa. Like, that's not, <laughs> he wants the, you to see him in a certain way. It's like, or there's a, there's a, there's a problem where like, sort of different, where like, I know the two by two boys, and I say boys because I'm speaking specifically about the Maknes who literally just turned 18, where you had like 26 year old women calling him Opa. And they say, no, don't do that because that's creepy. Like, unless somebody out, like, I, I, if somebody is telling you they want to be seen as a sexy person or they want to be seen as a baby or they want to be seen, and I don't mean that in like the, the fetish way. I mean that in like they want to be seen in a way that's more innocent. If they are telling you these things, then I don't see how it's a fan's place to attack people for feeling those things or thinking those things or saying those things, especially if it's not a situation where the fan is actively going to Wanho in his mentions saying stuff like, Oh, you're so sexy. I want to do this like that. That's inappropriate. But that's not what Nat was doing. And that's not what Nat was referring to when when that was a situation. And I'm not trying to speak for her. I'm just saying that, like, I'm not I'm not going to sit by idly while she gets attacked for something that I know she didn't do or even mean. And it could be obvious. It was it's obvious to anyone with a brain that she wasn't sexually harassing him, supporting sexual harassment or any of that. It's obvious that she was just saying that this man who is naked in an interview clearly has no qualms with people seeing him that way. Obviously, that doesn't give anybody the right to go to him and start saying things. But that's not what Nat was talking about. She wasn't talking about the people who are actively going in his mentions and saying weird stuff to him. She's talking about generally like 
posting on Stan Twitter or in safe spaces or talking to your friends in safe spaces and saying, I think that guy is attractive. I, I don't know. I think a lot of people probably don't have interactions with real human beings, because if you do, then you would know that if you have a crush on somebody, I can speak from experience. If I had a crush on somebody, it's nothing for me to go to my friends and be like, oh, he's really cute. Like, or he's really handsome. I, you know, I think this, that, and the other. That's not a problem. The problem becomes if it's unwanted attention. Wanho has never said that this is unwanted attention. So I'm just really confused here. Yeah. And to speak on that too, like I had some one person in particular, but like I didn't notice that people were like, oh, so you're saying that because he's not asking, he's, he, he's, he hasn't said that he doesn't like it, that it makes it okay. And it's like, Wanho has been literally showing himself in a lot of suggestive <laughs> tweets and Instagram posts for like months at this point. If there really was a problem with like the reaction to the first thirst tweet or whatever, and or the second or the third, I am so sure that we would have heard about it. Because these people, these idols do interviews, they do lives. Fans ask them these questions. Like I remember Bam Bam had his birthday party and he's turning, he turned 25, right? So Bam Bam is, you know, he's a man. And literally he was like, look, like he, he basically told fans like, yo, I know I'm 25 or whatever, but if you want to see me as your little baby, then that's fine. And like, he doesn't care. But like they have these, the, the way that K-pop works now, the interactions with the fans mean that fan questions are a little bit more accessible to the idols. So I'm sure that he sees some of the reactions on Twitter. And I'm not saying that he likes everything because obviously it would make me very uncomfortable if somebody gave me like a point by point play about what they wanted to do with me naked. Like, I don't know you, sir, ma'am, you need to stop. But all I'm saying is that somebody saying like, oh, sexy, like whatever. Like, I don't see, like, I don't maybe it's because we're from the West and you know, we're not we oops i think i touched the mic okay but we're not really like k-pop is a fandom that we know are adjacent to at this point but we we know what it's like to be fans of you know people in the west where it's not a problem to be like this person is sexy this person is attractive like oh that is a thirst post or tweet you know like it's not like that's not a problem and it shouldn't be for a 28 year old man who works out and sh shows off his body as much as Wano does. And as I said, like, if at any time he said like, this makes me uncomfortable, I don't like it. You know, I do put these, these posts out for like artistic like means Then Hey, that would be like, okay, no more, like cut off the jokes. And I like, that is basically what I'm seeing with the people that we follow and the bubbles that we're in. So maybe you and people need to start blocking and, and like reporting and like doing all that stuff to people that you see who are actually crossing the line and leave us the hell alone. How about that? <laughs> yeah. I want to, I actually want to speak to that real quick too. Even the idea of like, well, it's okay just because he doesn't say it's not okay. I, I sort of get that logic. Like I, I really do. I think the difference is, is that, we're talking about two different things like it's not okay to sexually harass someone it is okay to think that somebody is sexy and maybe have private conversations not directly with that person about feeling that that person is attractive i think that's two totally different things 
And I and I also want to say that with regards to not saying that something is not okay, I want to say that I I think that there's different ways to show people that you don't mind something. And I personally like to err on the side of caution and you know, I want them to I want that person to be like when it comes to things that may be more sexual in nature, I would rather that person to be because here's the thing. You can just discuss anything about a person and it's OK. Like, for example, when we do our shout outs, I, I used to say shout out to long haired Jungkook because he's fine or shout out to Bright because he's fine. Right. I'm not speaking directly to them. And even if I was telling someone that you feel that they are attractive is a lot different than telling somebody I'm going to do this to you or I want you to do this to me or let's do this together. Right. That's a very different connotation because telling someone that you think they're attractive, as long as you're not doing it in an inappropriate way where you're insinuating something, it's typically not something where it's like, can I ask you for permission to tell you that you're like, that's taking it too. I think that's taking a little too far because then it's like now you have to ask for permission to tell somebody that they're smart or that they're talented or that you like their music. Like, it's just, I don't, I think that that's, it's, you're getting too deep into it. Like it's, it's. You got to ask them permission to be fans now. Cause right. you, know, you, don't what? Know. you like, don't know if they want fans or not. So you have to. Right. Like, exactly. Like, because you're not sure what. Like, <laughs> like, then, like, cons- like, this is the thing. This is what I mean when I say that K-pop fans always do too much and about the wrong things. Because like somebody saying that, you know, Wano is sexy and that Wano posts, you know, suggestive, suggestive photos. Like anybody, anybody could see that that is uh, the case. Like that is true. Like, he- and you know what? An observation yeah. is different from a suggestion. That's what it comes. Absolutely. An observation is different from a suggestion. And also, I want to say this too. If 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 it's a problem that people feel that he is sexy, then wouldn't it also be a problem that he's putting this stuff out there that could possibly violate people? Because if you want to be ridiculous and absurd, which to me this is kind of absurd, not you know the sexual harassment aspect but the aspect of them being upset with you for saying that you know clearly he thinks he's sexy and wants to show it if you want to be that ridiculous then all of a sudden you have them him because now he's putting out content that anybody in the world could see and imagine if somebody comes across that content and it offends their sensibilities then suddenly you have to condemn him as well but you're not going to do that because you see what I'm saying? Like it starts to become yeah. really stupid because people don't understand nuance and they don't understand that consent is not like when we talk about consent, we don't blanket it towards every little thing. Consent is very specific where you're dealing with situations with serious matters, not something as frivolous as saying, oh, this person is posting thirst traps or this person yes. is attractive like that. That's not that doesn't that doesn't cause harm to the individual to say that yeah. and making, <laughs> generally like, speaking like it's literally just commentary that wanho you know is is sexy and putting things out to show that like that's literally what it is i have never at wanho i don't think in my entire life and i probably would never <laughs> like what are you even talking about honestly like for me i always see it more as you know just 
fandoms wanting to control the narrative about the idols because they only want people to see them in a very, very specific way that they have approved of. And honestly, like, it's like, I understand that, you know, people are protective of these idols, you know, not just because of fan culture, but because I think the way that fan like idols sort of like talk to their their fans too like they 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 make it like a relationship that both parties are like on equal standings of and as long as you support me 100 i will continue to make you proud kind of thing so i totally understand why people do feel a bit of this possessive nature for towards their fan their idols i i do understand it i don't think it's right I don't think that you have a right to own somebody because they make music that you like, you know, like, I think that there, you can definitely like an idol. You can kind of respect an idol. You can, you know, look up to an idol. I, those are perfectly okay. But like the idea that you own them and you own any narrative about them is weird. Like that is very weird old behavior. And I mean, I'm not being harsh because I feel like you guys are like these people are scumbags or anything like that. I don't honestly feel that. I think that fan culture has evolved in a way that makes people think that this behavior is okay. And I'm not the one. I don't, I'm not here to protect your feelings. I can empathize with you, but I'm not here to, to act like your behavior is not detrimental and toxic because it very much is. And I really, like I say all this to say that I really do want, you know, each of these people who have, you know, made comments and probably like spreading things about us on the internet or whatever, like to really reassess why they feel so strongly about the fact that, you know, people are, you know, saying that one ho sexy or, you know, making like comments about OnlyFans and things like that. Like, why is that bothering you so much? What does that even have to do with you? It has nothing to do with you. I mean, if if they cross the line, like an actual line in the stand where things are very gross, yeah, I totally understand that. But being sexy is not gross. Being an adult and wanting to show off the hard work, because I mean, he puts in hours to get the muscles that he has. So, I mean, if he puts in the work for it, like that's, res I respect that. And you know, like, I, as I said, I don't like, I personally, I'm not even that, I'm not attracted to Awano, to be quite honest with you. Like, I respect the body, but I'm I'm not really like attracted to, to, I'm not really attracted to most idols. And I'm very honest about that on this podcast, okay? But I respect Wanho as an artist. And if he wants to show off his, his games, more power to him. I'll like his tweets. I'll like his Instagram posts. And I'll just move on from that. Like, it's not that big of a deal for me. I just think that you, like a lot of you guys, like really where you cross the line when you put the comment on or comments on uh, Jokin's video. I think that is really the only reason we're even talking about it because that is a line that you crossed that you thought was justified that is not justified in the very least. And it is very, frankly, disgusting behavior. You know, like, please fix yourselves and fix your fan and fix your subset of fandom and do better. And that's it. Uh, that's all I have to say on that. What about you, Jimin? No, I, th I think you really uh, brought it home there. It's just, I, I don't know. It's just so weird the things that we end up talking about on this show i just i never thought we would be talking about something like this but that's it 
I think that's all the topics, too. <laughs> okay. If that's everything, then thank you for listening to another episode of Not Your Average Netizens. You can find us um, on Twitter at NYA Netizens. We're also on SoundCloud, YouTube, Google, Stitcher, all those places. You can also find us at Instagram at Not Your Average Netizens. And you can also find us at, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Not Your Average Netizens. Instagram at Not Your Average Netizens. And Gmail. And you can always send us something, a question, a comment, whatever you want. We'll most likely, if we get it from you, we'll read it on the air. So drop us a line at notyouraveragenezens at gmail.com. Okay, well, real quick, anti-shoutouts to China New. I heard he was selling bleaching creams. Anti-shoutouts there. He has no excuse. Shoutouts, though, to Bright, Bright, Bachirawi. I think that's how you say his last name. I'm trying to like get better at my tie. I only know like a couple things, y'all, but like I'm I'm gonna get better, I promise. So sorry if I butchered that. But shout outs to Bright because every day he just wakes up and uh, his face chooses violence and it's very beautiful. <laughs> that's that's all my shout outs. Shout outs to JB for signing with Higher Music. And trying to act like we didn't guess that that's what he had done. Shout outs to the music that is going to be released. I'm hoping we get a just to come back now that both him and Yugyum are signed to J Park's labels. Because just you, just to, sorry, is the superior subunit from God 7. Like, let's be real. No offense to JJ Project, but <laughs> Just Two was just impeccable. It was the perfect album. So I'm hoping that we get to see more from them. And shout out to Bam Bam, who had a birthday. It was cute. Him and Sunmi, I think, have the same birthday. So they actually just did like a, a mini little video together where Sunmi was being extra. And Bam Bam was being not as extra as normal. It was very cute. And shout out to... I never thought I'd say this. Ever. Shout out to Jay Park. For keeping my, my boys employed. And believing in them. I never thought I would ever give a shout out to Jay Park, guys. Just never. In the history of ever <laughs> and we will never forgive you <laughs> i'm not saying that i'm a jay park fan i'm just saying that i like that my boys are employed okay and they seem very very happy to be making the music that they want to be making so i have to i have to acknowledge a shout out just for that okay i'm sorry i just i need to do that and yeah oh shout out to take I did finish Vincenzo whenever it ended, I think last weekend or whatever. Jimin also watched Vincenzo and we talked about it a bit. Taekyeon looked great, looked fantastic. I would let Hansook, you know, be evil. 
I'm not gonna lie. I mean, he's he's that fine, and he was rich. I really so. think he played <laughs> played that character so well, but he did so uh, well. It was so like. I, I'm not gonna. I don't want to spoil it for any listeners, but I like how he had the duality going on. It worked yes. for him. That that type of thing yes. usually doesn't work for me, but it worked for him. So yes. that's a talent. I liked both. I liked his personas. I like both of them. I mean, obviously, like you know, his <laughs> not Nat like, giving spoilers. <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 been done for a while. So I mean, it's at this point, it's I'm not. And honestly, too. The Wikipedia page and in the internet spoiled me because I got into it late. So I'm sure if you've ever seen somebody tweet about Vincenzo, you kind of understand what we're talking about with Tekyon. But he did a really fantastic job of portraying different facets, you know, of 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 his character. And I thought he's like that, a typical manga protagonist, like romance right? manga protagonist. Right. And I, I know, like I just I was blown away by him. And I just want to say that I love it. Hansel. Hansel is my everything. And, you know, I think he was wrong, but that's just me. But anyway, okay, I didn't it. finish it. So, OK, well, we have had fun and yeah. we will see you all on the next go round. Thank you for listening. And oh, wait, yeah. Ashton, give shout outs. Oh, sorry. It's okay. I didn't really have any shout-outs to our patrons. and Yes. Shout-outs to uh, the patrons. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> All right, All right. Good night. Good night. Have a good day. Bye. I mean, have a... <laughs> yeah, bye. <laughs> I hate Nat for making me say good night every time. <laughs>